Get ready for an hour filled with conspiracies, UFOs, ghosts, the paranormal, legends, and myths from around the world. Chasing Prophecy Radio, where the paranormal is supernatural. With your hosts, Sean Kelly, Jenny Nicasio. Welcome to the Chasing Prophecy Radio, and here are your hosts, Sean and Jenny. Um, not sure what's going on there. I don't know why we're having some issues. Um, but we are live, and I'm glad. Make sure you turn off your phone, because I didn't turn off my phone. And good evening, guys. I'm glad you're here with us this evening. Um, like I said, we're from the Keystone State, all across the USA and beyond. And I'm here with my co-host, Sean Kelly. Great to be with you this evening. And that was some show last week, wasn't it, with Mike Barra, Sean? Oh my God! It was. It was. I I learned so much stuff that I didn't even think possibly could happen. You know, um, I enjoyed the show, and I was just in awe, to be honest with you. Um, and so it got me to looking into more conspiracies and stuff like that. And I hope we have him back on again, Dan. Yeah, I hope we do too. That was a bizarre week, um, <laughs> and this week was just as. as- you know, bizarre with the Biden emails, big tech censoring, and now we have the Iran and Russia trying to influence our elections. And tonight, um, there's another debate with Trump and Biden. So we got your popcorn ready for after the show. Um, We need to go, (laughs) we need to go off into another round though, Sean, and explain all this election talk. Um, It's been a crazy few months and actually a couple weeks so sean i want to take you and our audience to west virginia to a town down the road (laughs) yeah a town called mount pleasant and i want you to imagine you're on a deserted road it's a foggy night and your car breaks down and in the distance you see from your windshield a tall creature Standing in front of you on the road, and if there's fog, and his, what you can make out is his huge wings. And the one thing that you notice right off is the piercing red eyes. Okay? And mm. you might, now you just might have seen a cryptic creature called Mothman. Now, Sean, I think yes. he does exist. And. We have a great guest this evening who can help us understand the mystery of Mothman. So, ladies and gentlemen, check your code at the door. Okay? Have an open mind. Jeff Wemsley, I hope I'm not messing that up, is the owner of Mothman Museum in Mount Pleasant, West Virginia. And he's the author of Mothman Facts Behind the Legend. And Mothman behind the red eyes. Jeff, welcome to Chasing Prophecy. Yep. I'm so glad to have you with us this evening. Oh, I appreciate you having me on the show. Well, you Hi, know, Jeff. You know what, Jeff? How you doing? I um, just recently watched Mothman and Mothman Prophecies. 
with Richard right. Gere. Now, right. how true is the story to the real or supposedly real Mothman? Well, the movie with Richard Gere was loosely based on the actual uh happenings here in Point Pleasant. It's actually Point Pleasant instead of Mount oh, Pleasant. Point Pleasant, okay. <laughs> we get that one. <laughs> um, you know, John Keel wrote the book, The Mothman Prophecies book. It came out in 1975. And the movie that Richard Gere starred in was, was based, uh, like I said, loosely based on John Keel's book. Uh, there, was, there were some, you know, discrepancies as far as comparing it to the original story because that movie was based in modern day times when in actuality, the the story took place in 1966. That's when it started, you know, in Point Pleasant. So, um, you know, there was things throughout the movie. The movie was cool. I mean, you know, a lot of people liked that movie and it did open a lot of doors for, for people to find out more about the, the Mothman story. But, um, there were things throughout the movie that weren't, you know, real accurate to what really happened and stuff. Uh, Namely, like the bridge collapse, you know, the Silver Bridge collapse. Uh, that happened, you know, that happened in 1967, and 46 people died. In the movie, they had 39 people, you know, dying on the bridge and stuff. So, you know, little things like that. Um, in the movie, you really didn't catch a glimpse of much. It was more of a mental-type thriller. You know, you played played head games with you throughout the whole movie. So I always thought, you know, that what happened in Point Pleasant, um, whatever this thing was, was a lot scarier to those original witnesses than to people that would watch the movie and stuff, you know. So there was, there was a, a lot going on back in the mid-60s in Point Pleasant. And uh, even, you know, up until now, you know, people were discovering, you know, that there were multiple witnesses and most of those people were describing the same thing. A lot of UFO activity going on at that time. And, mm-hmm. um, so, you know, it's, the movie was, like I said, it opened a lot of doors. The floodgates pretty much opened when that movie came out. And, you know, it's almost 20 years old. The movie came out yeah. in 2002. So, you know, people are still, uh, you know, Jeff, watching that movie. <laughs> we have a question from one of our listeners. Um, is it could Mothman is the Thunderbird the same thing as Mothman? Do you do you think? Well, John Keel talked about Thunderbirds. You know, Thunderbirds were you know a lot of the Native American Indians talked about Thunderbirds and the cave paintings and things like that. So there was all kinds of theories, you know, as mm-hmm. to what people were seeing, and that was one of them. Uh, still is, you know, Thunderbirds were enormous birds, gigantic wingspans, and uh, but John Keel did talk about that. I'll refer to John Keel a lot because, you know, he, he pretty much, you know, set the standard with that Mothman Prophecies book. Mm-hmm. And uh, he actually came to Point Pleasant when it all started happening and stayed over a two-year period and documented all of these interviews and eyewitness accounts. And that's how he came, you know, out with the book mm-hmm. uh, about seven years later, seven or eight years later after it happened. Well, when was okay? You're saying that the real moth, the, the store, which is based on happened years and years ago. Now, um, was this a regular event? I mean, did it happen all the time? Was it just a few people in the town that seen it? No, it, 
there there were over a hundred reported sightings within a two year span, but there were a lot of people that didn't report it because they were afraid of being ridiculed and you know made fun of and things like that. Um, it started in November of '66. We're coming up on the uh, what success fifty four years ago, and wow. um, you had uh, two young couples that were kind of cruising around on the outskirts of town in what they call the TNT area. And the TNT area got its name because it was an old ammunition depot from World War II. The government had came in and created basically a little city just on the outskirts of Point Pleasant, and they called it the TNT area because they manufactured explosives for the war. And then after the World War II ended, the government just left all the buildings there, and that was just a perfect haven for kids to run around. It was a lover's lane, you know. Uh, you could get away from the city limits and go up there and drag race and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the two young couples, uh, Steve and Mary Mallet and Linda and Roger Scarberry, and Linda and Roger were actually my neighbors when, you know, when all this happened, even though I was only about five years old. But they just lived about four doors away. And um, that's how I was kind of, you know, pulled into the story when I got older and I, I knew Linda up until when she passed away about five years ago. But anyways, they were up outside of town riding around. It was about 11 o'clock at night and they were getting ready to head back into town. It's about nine miles outside of town. So they were getting ready to come back into town. And Linda told me that they were just coming down the little dirt road by one of the factory buildings there. And she said, what's that guy doing standing in the road? And they said, well, what are you talking about? And she said that, whatever that is. And she said the headlights hit on it. And that's when she noticed the two red eyes. And she said they were about the size of baseballs. And she said, that's not a man. And that that's when they got a little closer to it. She said it was about six to seven foot tall. And it was standing there just looking at them. And she said, that's when the wings came out. She said the wingspan was about 10 to 12 feet. And that's when they got a little spooked. So as they got about, oh, maybe 20, 20 yards away from it, she said it took off towards the old power plant building and ran towards the power plant building. And she said it was, it ran very clumsily. It was very awkward. It was kind of hopping through the grass, went into the building. And that's when they decided that, hey, let's, let's head on back, <laughs> you know, head on back to town. They really weren't terrified at this point, but they were a little puzzled. They didn't know what it was or anything. And then they headed out to the main road. Once they turned on to Route 62 to come back into town, Linda noticed something over top of the car, flying over top of the car. And she said, there it is again. So that's when it was over top of the car. They hit the straight stretch doing about 90, 95 miles an hour. And she said it basically just glided over the car. And it would just intermittently flap the wings. You know, it wasn't like a little bird trying to keep up with them. But she said it had an enormous wingspan. And she said the wings were so big, when it flapped its wings, she said you could hear the wings slapping off the bottom of the car doors. And they got close to town where the city limits is. And that's when she said it veered off to the left into a cornfield. And at this point, they were they were a little shaken up. You know, they... Mm-hmm. They didn't know what was going on, and 
they were afraid to go to the police department, so they stopped at the local restaurant. That Linda was a waitress at the local restaurant and um, went in and told the owner. He saw how upset they were, and then uh, he called the sheriff's department, and that was the beginning. Uh, after that, you had all sorts of people seeing, you know, some people thought it was just a, an enormous bird, you know, a big sandhill crane, uh, all kinds of theories, you know. Um, some people thought it was an owl, you know, but yeah. Linda and, and the others were a little, uh, you know, taken back by what people started saying that it was because she always told me, she said it wasn't a sandhill crane. She said, I know what a sandhill crane looks like, and this was more shaped like a man. She said the head was kind of shrunken down into the wings, and its shoulders were like kind of sticking up. So it's, she said, you really couldn't tell where the head met the shoulders and stuff. So uh, that that's what started it all, and uh, you know they uh, quickly realized that the local townspeople thought that they were all crazy. You know, uh, Linda passed away about five years ago. Roger still living and the other couple still living they, they'll admit that they saw it but they won't talk about it anymore you know they don't talk about it. but so they said it looked like a man okay um it had right. trouble walking but it, mm -hmm. um, it didn't have a lot of wasn't it didn't seem like it liked to walk because it was having trouble walking and it and they saw it fly sean mm -hmm. what do you think what do you, what, do you, what are your thoughts oh my thoughts my thoughts are um pretty um out there um, I have a couple questions for you. Um, okay. At, at the time when this was going on, there was a lot of UFO activity? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, on our past guests that we had, um, who uh, followed and studied and hunted Bigfoots, um, I've come up, myself, come up with the conclusion that Bigfoot is part of the UFO to where they appear. And all of a sudden, they just disappear into thin air, okay? Right. Now, what my thing is, is to you is, is it possible that this Mothman is sort of, sort of like related to the Bigfoot? Because it seems like it has all the same traits. It has all the same attributes and all that good stuff. And because and, I've been like studying for the last two or three days, and I just kept coming into my mind something like... Is it due to the UFOs? What do you think? Well, yeah, that's one of the theories that a lot of people had. I mean, like I said, I've heard about every theory you think about or think of. But, uh, you know, John Keel was fascinated, too, by all that UFO activity. And uh, he kind of joined forces with a local writer named Mary Hire. She was a local newspaper reporter. And they documented all that UFO activity, where they saw them, and, you know, that was that was a, a valid theory. Now, as far as the, the Bigfoot, I don't know. I, I hear stuff like that. But he never talked about, you know, much about Bigfoot or anything. But, uh, you know, he was he thought that there was a tie to all of the UFO activity and these strange bird sightings. You know, uh, a lot of the locals called it the bird man, you know, the big bird. Uh, the main moth man actually came from a, a news reporter partly because of the Batman TV show. There was a character called Mothman. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, some, of these, that, yeah. some of these witnesses described it as having moth-like wings. Um, you know, I always get 
asked, were the wings like feathers? Were they like leathery, like a bat wing or whatever? And I've heard both, both Is sides it of it. one set or know, two they, set, of, a set of wings? Just one set of wings is what most of them said, you know. Did anybody hear them? any kind of a voice, any kind of a sound that it made? Well, there was one witness that said they heard it sounded like a mouse shrieking. A mouse? Like a real high-pitched huh. shriek. Uh, nobody was ever physically attacked or harmed or anything. Okay, I was ask there was a lot that. of mental. Yeah, there was a lot of mental issues going on because, you know, these people couldn't. <sighs> They really couldn't rationalize what, you know, they had actually seen, and, and uh, you know, you had you had some uh, nervous breakdowns and and marriages that fell apart and all that kind of stuff around the but, sightings. Uh, right, yeah, because you know they were they were they gained all this attention and stuff, and and it just messed with with a lot of their personal lives, and that, and that's why a lot of those some that. of those original witnesses have never ever talked you know they they won't talk they i mean won't i've talk tried, about it now. tried but the, what's that they won't talk about it now anymore no 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 nope. um, they uh they they admit that they saw it but they they will not do interviews or, or anything like that wow okay uh at this um what do you call it the tnt field or something is that what it's called tnt era yeah yeah and did the government, when they quit, did they, did after that, did companies come in and dump uh, radiation yeah. or any kind of corrosive material? <laughs> yep. Well, they okay. contaminated the ground, and that's another theory, too. Um, they thought that the, whatever this thing was was maybe some sort of a bird that got into some contamination or whatever. That That area is actually still to this day, an EPA cleanup site. Wow. Did, you, um, did you ever think that maybe that it did something to them, like give them hallucinate, you know? Well, not not so much the witnesses. They just thought that maybe that this it was a giant bird or a sandhill crane that was deformed, you know, because all these witnesses said they'd never seen anything like it. You know, they couldn't okay. really so they did see something because yeah. I was going in an opposite direction. Like they may have been seeing uh -huh. things because of the contaminated, the toxic stuff that they. No. Okay, so they did. It could be. No, and then and then the um. Like and and then a lot of people always say, "Well, it was the '60s. They were all on acid and all that." <laughs> 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 you know, and it, that that stuff really didn't start happening until the late '60s. I don't think, well. you know, but. And they all, all those people, you know, my parents knew their parents. And, you know, as I got older, I asked my parents, I said, you know, were they the type that would be making this stuff up and trying to get attention? They said, absolutely not. Yeah. You know, they, they were just straight shooting people, you know. Mm. And there was more people than them that, that, that uh, reported this stuff. You had school teachers and business people and prominent business, you know, prominent people in the town that were reporting this kind of stuff. It wasn't just, you know, you're, you're, you're too, uh, you know, they weren't even really teenagers. I think they were in their early twenties and both of them had just uh, gotten married, both mm -hmm. couples. So it wasn't like a bunch of teenage kids up there, you know, reporting all this stuff. There was more than that. What did the police say about all this? Well, initially when they went to the police department, Linda said, you know, obviously they were like, what, what are you talking about? You know, and they, they, the sheriff's deputies noticed how upset they really were. 
So what they did is they had them sit down in separate rooms and write out a deposition as, as exactly what happened, what they saw, you know, everything. Mm. There were four of them, so they split them into four rooms. We actually have three of those four police depositions in the Mothman Museum on display. Oh. Linda had kept all those over all those years, and when I started that first book, she knew what was going to happen as far as, you know, me trying to tell the, the story from from their perspective and stuff. So we actually have those. But uh, they want the, the police wanted to see if they were going to collaborate and, and everybody say, well, everybody say this, and, you know, let's all make sure our story's the same. And the stories all line up. They all report the same thing. So what uh, gave the police you, were skeptical at first. What gave you the idea to start the museum? Well, the museum came out of several different uh, things. You know, I'll mention the Mothman Festival, which we've had. Well, this is the first year we haven't been able to have it. Uh, it would have been, Next year will be our 20th year. But when we started that festival about 10 or 12 years ago, going back to the movie, there was a guy who collected all these movie props from the movie, which was filmed in Catanning, Pennsylvania. It was not filmed in Point Pleasant. They filmed that <laughs> Richard Gere's movie in near Pittsburgh due yeah. to logistical reasons and stuff. Anyways, this guy collected a ton of these movie props and he used to bring them to the festival every year so everybody could see them. And then after a few years, he was a business owner. He couldn't get to town. So he called me on the phone and he said, Hey, he goes, I want to donate these um, movie props to you. And Carolyn Harris, who uh, the late Carolyn Harris uh, owned a local daughter and she and I pretty much started the festival. So once the festival's over, I thought, what am I going to do with all these props? You know, and then of course I had collected archives and rare stuff, those police reports, newspapers, eight millimeter footage of the bridge disaster my dad had taken. And I thought it'd be cool to open up a, you know, just a museum on the weekends or whatever. At, at one point in time, I'd owned a, a chain of record stores before Napster came along and, and screwed everybody. But uh, I had all the fixtures and everything from those stores, and that's how the museum started back in 2006. And now we're open seven days a week. I, honestly, I think sometimes we could stay up 24 hours a day because there's people that come from all over the world. The Mothman that's statue great. sits right beside of the museum. Uh, oh, we have wow. a 24-hour... Moth cam. You can go to the Mothman Museum. <laughs> Do you ever have any sightings of Mothman on the cam? Well, there's some strange, strange people out there by that statue. Oh, wow. You know, you can get on there at three o'clock in the morning and see people out there dancing around, <laughs> whatever they're doing. <laughs> doing I don't the, know. <laughs> they leave, they leave the Mothman beans out there. I don't know why. Oh wow! It's like a shrine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Has anybody ever seen Mothman during the day? There were some daytime sightings, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, about a week after Linda and the other three saw it, there was a shoe salesman named Tom Urey who was driving about 7.30 in the morning right up there where they had, uh, in, you know, saw all this stuff happening. And he was he was going down the road about early in the morning, and he said he thought it was a helicopter come up over top of his car. Oh, wow. And then he said, I, I started looking closer, and then things started getting closer and closer to his car. 
Now, his story was always that it was a, an enormous bird. He said it was the biggest bird he'd ever seen in his life. And he stopped, got out of his car, called the sheriff's department, and he said, I think I just your moth man up here. And uh, But he, he's still alive. Uh, Tom Murray is, and I interviewed him in that second book. But uh, he's, he always, uh, he, he was actually featured in that uh, John Keel's Mothman Prophecies book, oh, too. He? But he, he told me that it was, it, he said it was a bird, but he said, I'm telling you, it was the biggest thing I've ever seen. Some people even said it almost looked like a prehistoric bird. Wow. Pterodactyl. Like, pterodactyl. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I've heard now, that from a lot of different people. Do you have a lot of those big old, um, what are they called? Vultures down there? They're huge. Turkey vultures. There's a lot of turkey vultures, yeah. Uh, turkey they're huge. Vulture. Yeah, but they're, they're not big. seven feet tall. How tall was this no. Mothman? Seven no. feet? I've never seen one that big, but they are big and they're kind of scary, you know, when they fly over your car. Um, you know, that Sandhill Crane kept theory kept coming up because it was in the fall and that was the mi- uh, migratory route for the Sandhill Crane to go south. Uh-huh. It's right through this area here. So, was there you any know. reports of, of small animals being missing? Um, John Keel talked in his book about some cattle, mm, cattle. that they had found wow. dead. Mm. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the local people were afraid to let their pet, yeah. their pets and even small kids. The, the elementary schools there for a while would Absolutely. not let kids out during recess because they thought if it was that big, it could swoop down and pick up a little kid or a dog or a cat or whatever. But, um. Yeah. People were scared. They didn't I know bet. what was going on. You know? Like, put yourself in their position. And, you know, I can just imagine in the time area yeah. that all of a sudden there's these sightings of this tall creature, and it's just not one right. or two people. It's over like 100 people. Yeah. It was a lot of people. Ha- and, you know, I get people come in the museum even now that come in, and uh, older people, and they'll walk over and they'll say, you know what, we saw that thing, but we never told anybody because. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't want everybody to think we were crazy, you know. Yeah. um, uh, Jeff, we have another um, question for you. After a sighting uh of a Mothman, has anything happened like a natural disaster or something like that? Well, that that comes up because of, mainly because of the movie. Um, You get on the internet and you look at all the stuff, you know, Chernobyl disaster, Silver Bridge disaster, everybody, you know, got on that that deal where they said that uh, the Mothman was sighting the day before a big disaster. That's real hard to validate. Um, But it's, it's been woven into the story over the, you know, the last 20 years, you know, the bridge fell because it was 40 years old. Okay. Uh, But, you know, the Mothman sightings were going on at that time. So that wasn't made up. That was the true part of the no that that bridge fell it killed 46 people yeah during the time of the sightings right 19 uh, december 15 1967 which ironically is 13 months to the day that that linda and them saw it which that might be a coincidence so you know that's that's enough to think that this that's violated you know what i mean it's it's, it seems like that maybe it had something to do with mothman you don't know. Yeah, and then when the bridge fell, a lot of the attention went away from the Mothman sightings mm-hmm. because, you know, everybody in town knew somebody was on that bridge. Yeah. Oh, so, 
you watch a lot of these documentaries and they say, well, the, the bridge fell and that was the end of the sightings, but that's not the case. No. You know, that there was, was still my sightings question. after that. Yeah. Okay. Where can me and Jenny come down to Point Pleasant <laughs> and try to find the Mothman? Oh, that's okay. You can well, you can come any, <laughs> any time. Your best time is to come during the festival because, you know, we draw about twelve to 15,000 people to that festival. Uh, naturally, we couldn't have it this year because of the COVID stuff. But, uh, uh, you know, it's if you want to network with people, if you want to meet people, that's it's like a giant convention slash family reunion for a lot of people. There was a lot of disappointed people this, this year in September. Yeah. But uh, the museum is open year-round, except for, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving Day and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know... Um, we give out free maps of the TNT area. You can still go to the TNT area. Uh, you can go to where the sightings were. Now there's all the igloos, which are the storage units up in the TNT area. A lot of people go up there. Uh, a lot of paranormal groups, ghost hunters, and that kind of stuff are in and out all the time. That's where so, I'm going. Yeah. Well, we're going to pause real quick for this special um, sponsor, uh, someone close to me. Tonight's show is sponsored by Nicasio Fields Banquet Hall and event planning in Harrison City, PA. It's just as beautiful as West Virginia. You want to come down to this beautiful country, atmosphere, natural elegance for your next special event, NicasioFields.com. Like them on Facebook and give them a call. If you have a wedding, party, Christmas party, anything setting up for 2021, they're taking taking events now so give them a call if you have a wedding or birthday christening give them a call thanks okay let's get back to the show (laughs) okay um jeff i have a question for you um this was a long time ago and in the last let's say 10 years or let's even bring it down to a more narrow it down have you seen or any reports of Mothman? Well, you know, I get emails almost. <laughs> I get a lot of emails, you know. Um, people come into the museum, people come to the festival, I get emails, phone calls, people mail stuff to us. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we, and it's just real hard with my schedule to validate anything. I mean, John Keel, that's what he did. He went, you know, if, if you called or he got word that there was a sighting in, in, you know, Alabama, that he would take off and go because that's all he did, you know. So, um, but, yeah, we, we get we get a lot of emails and, and pictures. And I got one the other day. A guy took a picture of the sky and saw something that looked like a man with wings flying, you know. It's, it's just real hard to say, yes, that's exactly what people are seeing here. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's just real hard to, without investigating something really thoroughly. But, uh, yeah, you know, just like the Bigfoot sightings and stuff, people are still emailing and seeing stuff and mm-hmm. all over the world. I mean, I get emails from oh, Russia. Wow. And, so it's not localized. Know, I mean, it's uh, everywhere. There's been sightings well, and yeah, you know, all over the place. Point Pleasant kind of got, you know, tagged with being the, the original – you know, spot. There were actually a few sightings before the ones in Point Pleasant that were never really, you know, uh, documented as much as the Scarberry and the Mallets and people like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so it's 
with social media and all of the exposure that the story's got, it's it's turned into a pop culture phenomenon now. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Mothman in the museum itself was featured in the, the latest Fallout 76 game. You know, Bethesda oh, put that wow. out about that's two years enough. ago. Yeah, that's, that's just crazy. I mean, people uh, see all that, all the documentaries. They just released a new one this past week, uh, Seth Breed Love and the Small Town Monsters called oh. The Mothman Legacy. Now, and have, that have you ever gotten that. visited by Mothman? I mean, did he ever try to come into the no. museum? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a, a really cool coffin that I paid a lot of money to have made. <laughs> you know, we have a, somebody wears <laughs> it once in a while, but there's been a few strange people come in. But uh, you know, not, you know, it's it's all fun. I think. In, in the movie, they had the phone. Um, how they would get uh, phone calls. Um, they uh, have... We had that phone in the museum. Oh, really? The one that Richard. Yeah, we actually <laughs> had that phone. That's cool. yeah. Has that it... was that was documented through John Keel. Yeah, he said that when he was investigating all this stuff, that his phone lines were tapped. Oh, Somebody wow! Somebody had tapped the phone lines, and he said he'd pick the phone up and hear like a a garbled voice or a distorted voice. So all that stuff really happened. Wow! And a funny story is is when I used to talk to him. You know, he passed away and. 2009 but you know i i was able to uh to talk to him quite a bit because i had to get permission from him to use some of his stuff in my books and wow. i didn't want to sue me or anything yeah. so it got to the point where you know he would call the house here at home or i would call his he lived in manhattan and he lived in an apartment so i would call him just you know randomly to talk and would be talking to him on the phone he would be like did you hear that somebody just picked up the other line do you have you have two phones at your house you know he was really paranoid and stuff and yeah yeah, he got to the point where he just thought somebody was always following him and listening to all these conversations but but uh, yeah that that stuff was based on on his actual so it was uh, investigations yeah now was he was the character um richard gare was that John? Well, it's confusing because Richard Gere supposedly played the younger John Keel. But do you remember the guy in the movie? His name was Alexander Lee. Yes. The guy that told him that a cockroach could, uh, you know, what are you, what are you looking for? He kept John or uh, Richard Gere kept pestering this guy, wanting and to that talk was John. to him. And, well, Alexander Lee, Lee is Keel spelled backwards. <laughs> you know wow so that that's supposedly the movie portrayed john keel as a younger and older but in the movie <laughs> also you know they find will Patton by the tree dead that never happened that never happened you know there was never a woman sheriff in point Pleasant. No. that was in the movie okay. so will Patton actually stopped in point pleasant on his way to film that movie and at that time, I had the record shop, and he stopped in there. And uh, we took him up to the TNT and <laughs> drove him around and stuff. Because he told us, he said, I want to see where it really happened. He goes, yeah, you know, I want to know the real story. And uh, we took him up there, and uh, he was pretty cool. Now, Richard mm-hmm. Gere, I don't know if he ever came in the museum. I, you know, he came in cognito or whatever. Who knows? You might, you might uh-huh. see him because they're playing it again. I don't know if it's because of Halloween or... 
It's, yeah. It's yeah, they play it, rerun it a lot. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a really good movie, and it, I think it was done really well, and it made you yeah. look up, you know, Mothman, and that's where I saw right, your museum. It did. As soon as that movie came out, our phone rang nonstop <laughs> for like a mm-hmm. week. That's great. Well, it's probably you know, going to do it, that it was, again. I'm, yeah, I figure it will. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming out. And yeah. Like I said, there's so much exposure with the social media and the, oh, definitely. all the documentaries, the podcasts, and all that stuff. So Did you... it's, 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 a good, it's good for Point Pleasant, too. Oh, of I mean, course. It no, brings I'll a lot of people that. to Point town. Pleasant. That'll stick in my head because yeah. I messed up the, the name of it. Nah. Now, is there any, par- like, you know, the other paranormal groups out there, I'm are there certain specific... Wow, we went the same wavelength. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, are there any groups out there that specifically tr- investigate the Mothman? Um, not that I know of. Most of the ones that come to the museum are, are usually ghost hunters. You know, I'm sure there are, but uh, there's so many of them that come through the doors. It's hard to keep track of all of them and everything, but... Uh, you know, we'll have we'll have people coming in, just you know, one or two people that specifically are just interested in the Mothman mm-hmm. story. Um, there's a hotel that sits directly across from the museum called the Historical Low Hotel, and there's all kinds of activity in that hotel. That you know, people taking pictures and and I've seen some of the pictures and stuff. <laughs> and um, okay, so a lot of people they'll come and stay there at that hotel and do their ghost hunting there and then they come to the museum and go to the TNT area. So it's kind of like a, uh, you know, weekend trip or sometimes in the summer they'll be there for a week. So, uh, during the festival, there's a lot of those paranormal groups that come and, but as far as specifically just sticking just with the Mothman stuff, I don't, I don't really know. Okay. Um, real quick. And my last question, um, was the federal government, was the military involved in any of this? Well, at that time, the military was, the National Guard was based up in the Tantarium. My dad worked there at the National Guard, and he never actually saw anything, but he always told me and my mother that, you know, he said, there's something weird going on up there. You know, I, he said, I believe their stories, but... He personally never saw anything. Now, in John Keel's book, they document two National Guardsmen seeing something in a tree out behind the armory that looked like a a man with wings in the tree. That's documented Mm. in John Keel's book. But what happened was, is after Linda and the others saw this thing, everybody and her brother grabbed their rifles and headed to the TNT area. (laughs) Uh, West Virginia. They wanted a trophy. And it was That's like West Virginia. for Frankenstein. So the National Guard quarantined that area off. They they told people, you cannot come up here with guns and rifles and all that. I was five years old. I don't remember. My mom said we went, we piled in the car and drove up there. And there was just miles and miles of, of cars up there. So as soon as the National Guard quarantined that off, everybody thought, well, they know something. They're trying to hide something. You know, they caught it. They're not telling anybody. So the conspiracy theory started mm. started really flowing, man, you know. Right. But, yeah, the, the, the National Guard was there at that time. The, the Army is actually still up there, but it's not an active base or anything. 
but yeah, that was. Uh, I, I heard that the you know there was a theory that the uh, that they were running maneuvers. The Green Berets were running maneuvers up there with uh, jetpacks oh, and wow. paratroopers because this was during Vietnam, right. and. Uh, there was actually a big story that came out. A guy wrote, and he said that what people were seeing was these paratroopers armed with these red goggles landing up there in the TNT, and they would land on top of people's cars and stuff, you know, and mess with them. Oh. So that was that was one guy's theory, and it, you know, who knows? <laughs> well, these um, the people that actually saw Mothman. Did anything unusual? I know you said that a lot of them were going through family crises at the time because of yeah. all the PR and everything. As time went yeah. on, did anything happen to these people? Um, any tragedies, um, accidents that they well, could not explain? They talked about, you know, Linda talked about hearing footsteps on the top of their mobile home. Wow. Talked about their phones making weird noises talked about these men in black coming to their house oh. and asking them questions and stuff like that. The, the men in black came into that. Um, you know, a lot of these witnesses said they would come to their house, knock on the doors. The local newspaper reporter, Mary Hire, said they would come into her office and just stare at her. She said it was the weirdest thing, you know. She said they just didn't act like they were human, and they would ask her questions, and then they would say, you know, please stop talking about this. Please stop writing about it. Wow. She would look out her window at night and see a car parked out in front of her house, a black sedan with these guys sitting in it and stuff like that. So that spooked a lot of people, too, these men in black. Yeah, that would be scary. So, like, in the next, like, do you, th do you is there any certain time of a year, or like, the, the day there's more reportings? Is it, like, winter, summer? Not really. I mean, it's just I've never I've never uh, noticed any. I get emails, like I said, and, that, and all that happened with the Linda then back in November '66. But it went on for, like I said, a couple of years. People were seeing stuff, and it was summertime, winter, fall, spring. You know. So Mothman is not just um, a West Virginia. Phenomena. It, it happens. People have seen them across the United States and beyond. Sometimes even in Russia, they saw it. Now, right. So, it, if it's the same thing, if it's the same, if thing, it is the same thing, yeah. If it's if it's an ET, a something outer space, or is it something interdimensional that comes and goes, like Sean was saying, or, or is it some kind of biological misfit? Um, chemicals from the plants or right there's no there's no data to say either way no there's nothing not really no just just the eyewitness accounts and like i said if it would have just been two or three people that reported this i probably wouldn't be talking to you right mm -hmm. now i mean there was multiple multiple witnesses young and old uh from all different walks of life and, and, you know, they all had different gears. The, the yeah. common thing was whatever it was, it was big. It had a big wingspan, and it was very elusive. I mean, you know, people were looking for it all the time. Um, John Kill just always thought that that TNT area up there was a window to a lot of paranormal oh, yeah. activity. He just okay. thought it was just a Ghostbuster stuff, yeah. you know, the big building where everything comes flying out. <laughs> so. so when did you decide to write the books? 
Well, I did that first book in 2002. Actually, I was working on that book before the movie was announced. Oh, wow. That was just, you know, because when they announced that movie, I thought, well, then, you know, I, I finished it up. And then the second book was just a continuation because more and more people were coming to me with archives and, and uh, oh, yeah. firsthand accounts. And a lot of the people that are in that second book, there's a lot of interviews in the second book. A lot of those people are gone now. Okay. Um, that came out in 2005, and that's been 15 years, and a lot of those people passed away. And there's still people that I would like to talk to, you know, the Malicks. Yeah, and there's still people I've, I've, alive that's seen it. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, you know, they're not going to be around forever. Yeah, you, you know? better get busy and start interviewing these people. I know. <laughs> Make Mothman <laughs> my wife too. says. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they can do what? a sequel to the movie and have somebody go back in and try to... You're going to have to, you know. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? Yeah, they might. <laughs> you got to get out there, Jeff, and start interviewing people because maybe there's somebody out there that knows more than what they're letting on because they're afraid well, to talk about is. it. Well, there probably is. There probably is. They're out there somewhere. And nobody's ever been Jeff. hurt. Jeff, um, <laughs> what do you think the Mothman is? Yes. What, what, have, what conclusion have you come up with? Well, I get asked that about every interview, and I, I honestly don't know because there's so much out there as far as descriptions and eyewitness accounts. I just know that those people, that many people describing the same thing could could not possibly have collaborated or came up with the same story. And and they, I could tell, you know, when I talked to them, they didn't they didn't enjoy talking about it. Most of them. And, you know, and they, they were just like, you know, we don't know what this thing was. Um, if, if it would have been, and a lot of the people, like even the mallets, surely by now, if this was just a hoax or somebody in a costume, whatever, surely by now, somebody would have came forward and said, look, this is what it was. We were up there goofing around. Here's the costume. There you go. End the story. Yeah. But nobody has ever came forth and came up with any of that. Now, naturally, after the sighting started, there were people up there trying to scare people with costumes. I get people all the time say, yeah, that was my grandpa. <laughs> my, they made him a costume. And I said, sure it was, because they knew that people up there looking for it. Why would they look up there and try to scare people? But that, I don't think that's the case with you know Linda and the others. I mean, I talked to her in detail about all that stuff, and she, she was of you know, she she was. There's no way they could have been making that much stuff up that much detail and everything. You know, and she just told me. She said, "I know what I saw." I mean, that, as a matter of fact, a lot of those witnesses said, "I know what I saw." People don't have to believe it, but I know what I saw. You know, and she said it was not a Sandy Crane. Yeah. So. Oh, she so said, "Now other people might have seen a sandhill crane, but that's not what we saw. Unless you know. it's one on steroids, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so it's so interesting. I could just—I don't know. I think it. I just think maybe something that got messed up by the chemicals. To me, it seems like it it's, could have been." Or it's something that hides. I agree with you, Jen. There's no caves or anything in West Virginia, or is there? Yeah, oh, there yeah. is. There is, yeah. isn't it? Maybe it's some There's kind a of, lot cave, of them up there. cave creep, you know, creep, you know. Uh -huh. There's a lot of caves up in that yeah, area. Yeah, there's 
Yeah, I should know better. My son, he went to school at Greenbrier in West Virginia. He told me there's a big cave up there across the, the street. Oh, yeah. 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 So he, uh. he, yeah, so maybe it's something that lives in a cave or but there's no missing people. No missing people. No. Okay, no, so no, it doesn't go and eat people. It's just probably yeah. some kind of like a creature that's from Mother Earth that belongs here just like we do. He just doesn't, you know, maybe he was lonely. Right. <laughs> who knows? Yeah, I don't think the book will be closed on it. Yeah, who knows? Oh no, definitely not. Sean, any uh, more thoughts? It's uh, no, I enjoyed the show tonight. Yeah. Um, I'm not too far from Point Pleasant, so I might just take a ride down there and, and go to the museum. You definitely yeah. should. Where are you at? Um, I'm up there in Dormont, PA, near okay. Mount Lebanon. Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Yeah, yeah you know, like I said, far. just let me know you're coming. You know, yeah, definitely. I teach school during no, the day. So. Definitely. Okay, great. Well, uh, set witching hour. Okay, Jeff. Well, thanks for joining us tonight. It was a pleasure and delight. Uh, very interesting yes. stuff. Um, where can someone get and see your? Where is exactly um, your website with the addresses and where they can get in contact with you to come visit your museum and check out your books too? Well, Ma. Yeah, just com. There's also another sister site, mothmanlives.com, and then there's mothmanfestival.com. So all those emails go to me if somebody sends one. Are your books And, and all the merchandise and all that. Yeah, the books are on the website for the museum, yeah. Okay, so they have to go to the website, not Amazon or anything. Well, you can get them on Amazon, oh, okay. too, yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks again for joining mm. us. Thank you okay. so much. Sean, tell our audience where someone can get in touch with you for a paranormal investigation. Yes, they can go to Facebook and go to our page, uh, Pittsburgh Paranormal Society. We also have an Instagram account now, Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh underscore paranormal underscore society. And I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. And I welcome you to continue the conversation on Facebook. Um, I do believe we have a Facebook Live Saturday, and so um, yes. please check out my author page, Jay Nicasio, my trilogy, From the Sky, and my Halloween short stories, The Hunting Short Tales of Twilight, and you can find that at Amazon.com. And if you think you'd be a great fit for our spo- to be a sponsor for our show, email us at ChasingProphecyRadio at gmail.com. Next week is our Halloween special, and we have guest Shanta Gabriel. We're going to talk about a lot of things. And remember to like us on Facebook and Instagram and check out and subscribe to ChasingProphecyRadio.com and our YouTube channel. Stay safe and good night, everyone. And thanks for tuning in to Chasing Prophecy. Prophecy.